0: For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. Joy is something that we connect to the Christmas season, even if you don't attach any religious significance to it. You, you hear people say, happy holidays, right? Not go and be miserable. Uh, we're, we're wishing one another some kind of happiness This time of year, the commercials, the ads, they're all about giving presents to each other. This is the time of year where we are expecting, or at least hoping, that something good will happen. Something that will give us joy. Well, we're going to talk about joy this morning, but the kind of joy that God gives. Because according to the scriptures, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. From Galatians chapter 5. Joy is something that grows like fruit in the life of a believer, the life of a person who knows God by his Spirit. And the angel announced that that joy is available for all people, for you and me, every day. We're going to talk about how we can have that. So let's start by defining what we're talking about. What exactly is joy? What exactly is that? We sort of take it for granted. It's somehow connected to happiness or gladness or something. But, but what is it? You know, I looked up several definitions, and I think we can summarize it this way. Joy is a delight of the mind that comes from receiving something really good. It's a delight of the mind that comes from receiving something really good. And we experience it in degrees. Uh, one dictionary put it this way. When joy is moderate, it is called gladness. Raised suddenly to the highest degree, it is called exaltation. When limited by our possessions, it is contentment. High desires accomplished bring satisfaction. Vanquished opposition, we call triumph. When joy has so long possessed the mind that it has settled into a temper, we call it cheerfulness. So we might think of joy as the fundamental response that we have when we receive something really good. And then there are all these shades of degrees that we call by other names. But underneath it all, there's joy, whether it's kind of a low-grade contentment or whether it's exaltation. There's a there's spectrum. This is what we all want, isn't it? Don't we all want joy? Don't we want delight of mind? Don't we want to receive something really good and experience that over and over and over again? I don't think I've ever met a single person in my life who didn't want good things to happen to them, who didn't want something to celebrate, who didn't want delight. I've never met anybody like that, although there are some of us more on the pessimistic side, (laughs) who seem to want to be unhappy, who find a dark cloud in every silver lining. But even a pessimist wants to live in a world where there are no dark clouds. It's hardwired into us that we want joy. And of all the times of the year, this is when we hope to get it. Now, the retailers hope hope that you think that, <laughs> um, they're always showing us the, the, the wares that we can purchase uh, that will bring us joy, you know? Just imagine what the ultra-high-definition widescreen TV can do for your life. Uh, imagine how happy you'll be when you get that new car in your driveway with a big red bow on it. Um, picture yourself in the park with your your boyfriend or girlfriend and and the ring is opened up in the little box and the snow is falling and and it's all wonderful right these are the pictures that are painted for us what are they selling they're not just selling products they're selling joy it's the prospect of what it'll do for us that makes us want to get that and you know it's fun when that happens the delight of mind is real when you get something That you really want. But here's what you've already experienced. I think I can say this is true for all of us. It's not enough, is it? It's never enough. I know that's true because we're buying presents this year, even though we got some last year, right? (laughs) Why are we still buying them if last year was it? If that was the complete, I'm happy, I'm good for life. Because it wasn't good for life, was it? So we're doing it all over again, right? Possessions don't last. People disappoint. Even spouses disappoint. And circumstances continually happen to keep you from getting what you want or even sometimes what you need. And many people just simply don't have an easy life. Nobody has a trouble-free life. There are unhappy rich people. There are husbands who cheat on beautiful wives. The world is full of joy killers. And we always want something more. We want joy that can't be taken away from us. We want the kind of joy that we can have even when life is hard. Because that would really be great, wouldn't it? To to be able to know all the time that you've received something really great, even if in the moment you're experiencing something hard, there is a way to have that. And on the day Jesus was born, the angel said, You can. He said, Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. A great joy. Not only the contentment, like I'll settle for that, Or even kind of the mid-level satisfaction. I'm I'm enjoying this. But more on the high end. The exaltation level. the, The joy that dances. The joy that sings. There's a great joy for all the people. Everybody can have this. Is what the angel says. It's for all people. It's for every race. It's for every age group. It's for every situation in life. This is for the, the blue-collar worker shepherd, and this is for the celebrity, wealthy, important wise men who would come bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh. This is a joy that spans every, every gap, every spectrum of human endeavor. It's a joy that can be yours. So what is the great joy that the angel spoke of? Well, he continued... He said, I bring you good news of a great joy, for, and here's what the source of the joy is unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Amen. Do I have an amen, brother? (laughs) Here's something that should give you delight of mind. According to the angel, according to the writers of the scriptures, The historical fact of Jesus being born into the world as a Savior. That right there is enough to give you a delight of mind that can withstand any situation that you are in. This is what God tells us. It's the historical fact of Jesus being born into the world as a Savior. Now, if that sentence didn't make your heart leap like you had just won a million dollars, it isn't because the news isn't that good. It's because we don't fully grasp what's been given to us. We We need to understand why this is good news, as the angel said. So let's explore. What does it mean that Jesus is a Savior? Well, the word Savior implies that there's something we need to be saved from, right? Otherwise, the concept can't produce any joy. If you're enjoying yourself at some five-star resort in the Bahamas, and somebody walks up to you while you're in your lounge chair, drinking your pina colada and enjoying the sun, and they come up and they say, I'm here to save you. You go, I don't need that. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. You go find somebody else who needs a savior because right here, I'm fine right? We need to know that we actually have something to be saved from. And the fact is, we do. All of us need saving on two levels. The first level, we might say, is rescue from the futility of pursuing the dream that never satisfies. Rescue from the chase of happiness that never really lands and sticks. Uh, You too had a song called, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, right? We make our plans, we go after our relationships, we indulge in our experiences, and like King Solomon, we have to admit in our honest moments that all is vanity and a striving after wind. It seemed like it would do it, But then next Christmas, I still need another set of gifts. It's just never enough. We always need more. Jesus met a woman who was in that predicament, and he offered her a way out. Maybe you've heard the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. This woman comes in the middle of the hot day. She's there to draw water from a well, and Jesus has just sat down there to rest. They begin to talk. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. The woman said to Jesus, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. What's going on there? See, here's a woman who's chasing fulfillment and not finding it. She's had five husbands, and now she's with another guy. She's chasing joy in relationships, but she still hasn't found what she's looking for. She's still thirsty, not just for physical water, but for quenching those innermost longings of her soul, and it's not being quenched. So Jesus says to her, in effect, you're looking for the wrong kind of water. The kind that you're after in men will always leave you thirsty. But I've come here to give you living water, the underlying satisfaction of your deepest longings. The water I give will become in you a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He's saying a relationship with me is where you're going to find an undying thirst quenching joy come to me for that that's what jesus is saying that's a bold claim to make if jesus were just a typ- typical human being we'd have to say he was very a- arrogant very full of himself uh to be saying that you know i i'm better than physical water <laughs> we'd have to say uh no uh, i don't there's, that's crazy right So how is he different from the six guys that the woman had known? How is he different from anybody else that you've known? Well, Jesus is different because he's the Savior that we also need on a a second level, on a deeper level. The one that we can't see, but it's so very, very important. Jesus is the Savior that rescues us from the separation that our sins have made between us and God. Scripture says in Isaiah 59.2, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. See, the real reason that we can't ever be satisfied with the things of this world is because we're created to know and enjoy God in whose image we are made. Like Augustine said in the fourth century, you have made us for yourself and our souls are restless until they find their rest in thee. The joy that we're looking for, the kind that lasts even when life is hard, the kind that in fact will never end, that joy can only be found in the presence of our God who made us for himself. And therefore, our sins, which separate us from our God, they kill our real joy. They send us on this endless chase to fill ourselves up with something that can't do it. Because the only place that that real soul thirst can be quenched is in God Himself. And the sin separates us from Him. We can't know Him who is holy and pure and majestic and above us while we are in our sins. And friends, we have sins. Every one of us does. Because sin is anything that we do or think or say that isn't in complete agreement with God's character and with God's purposes for our lives. And here's His purpose for us. Jesus summed it up in Luke 10, 27. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. That's his purpose for us. Have you done that every minute of every day in your entire life? I haven't, not even since I woke up today. The scriptures say all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a separation between us and our God that our sins have created, and we need that separation to be removed. We need to be reconciled to God in order to have the great joy of knowing Him. This is where Jesus comes in. He was born as the one who could remove the separation. Because, as Peter said, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Jesus is the one that brings us to God. How? By suffering for our sins? By taking the blame for our own wrongdoing, our own departures from God's will and God's character. By taking the punishment on himself, by bearing the wrath of God, the just wrath of God for our sins. Bearing it in his own body as he is staked to a cross and hangs there. The Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. He was put to death there, bearing the judgment of God in our place. And that's how he removed the separation. Because our sin is an offense, it needs to be dealt with. In any relationship, if there's an offense, you know that there's a break, right? And until there's reconciliation, you can't really be one again. And Jesus does it by by actually satisfying the justice of God against our crimes, by actually removing it, by, by completing the justice, actually enduring the wrath, so that we then can be forgiven, so that God can draw us back, so that God can be in our lives by the Spirit. And dwell with us. And when he does that, the fruit is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Because by the Holy Spirit, we're brought into relationship with the living God. And it's in his presence that we have fullness of joy, according to Psalm 16. Many have found it to be so, even in the most difficult times of life. The Apostle Paul had what we might call a rough life. He described it in one of his letters to the Corinthians. He said, I've been shipwrecked twice. <laughs> I was thrown into the Mediterranean Sea, floundering for my life, grabbing onto a piece of wood. I was over a day in the night in the deep. I almost drowned. Uh, he said, I was beaten three times with rods. Um, one time I was in a town named Lystra. And they, they threw rocks at me until I was almost dead. They thought I was dead. He said, I've been betrayed by friends. I've been imprisoned many times. I was often in toil and hardship, many a sleepless night, hunger and thirst, cold and exposure, and many other things. You might think a guy with a life like that would be pretty sour. You know, man, this is not worth it. But here's what he said. We are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Because I have this great joy. I have this this apprehension, this trust, this belief in the Savior who is with me. God is with me in all these trials. Therefore, he makes these trials bearable. Therefore, though I am sorrowful, he's not a robot, I weep. I'm in pain, but I have joy. He wrote from prison, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. There's a joy to be had because Jesus is the living water, the spring that wells up to eternal life, a spring that keeps on flowing over and over and over again. It never gets exhausted like your Christmas presents do. Or relationships. This one keeps on giving all the time. God is a fountain of living waters for us. That's what it means for Jesus to be the Savior. That's why the announcement at his birth was good news of a great joy. Because what can be better than being rescued from having to chase this dream, this apparition, this vapor called happiness through the world? When God says, but I give it to you by giving you myself to be saved from your sins and brought to God, that's a, a source of real great joy. I just want to close with one more question How do we acquire it? How, how do we appropriate this joy for ourselves? There's good news, but how do I experience the reality of that joy? Because it isn't automatic. It requires a response from us. If someone gave you a million dollars, it would give you no joy if you thought it was counterfeit, if it was monopoly money. You'd say, so what? You'd have to believe it really was worth a million dollars and that it was really yours, right? Great joy is only for those who believe that Jesus is really the Savior and all that that means for us. In other words, you have to have the response of the shepherds who heard this message from the angel. Their response was this. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And then having seen it, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You see, the the, the shepherds didn't brush this all off with skepticism. You know, Bethlehem is an unimportant little town. Nothing really important ever happens here. Um, And yeah, let's go over there and see this thing. Well, there's a baby there. I mean, I've seen lots of babies. Um, This one doesn't look special. He's born in a stable. Uh, He's not great, right? Could have had that response. What did they see? They saw more than a baby in a stable. They saw the truth of what the angel said. They believed the message. This person here, this babe here, is the Savior of the world. We've seen it with our own eyes. God has come to us. God has brought rescue. And they went away, praising God, exultation, the high end of the spectrum of great joy. It had that effect on them because they believed. That's the key to the great joy, is believing. And that's what it has to be for all of us. Will we believe that Jesus is the Savior that we need? Will we admit that because of our sins, we need to be saved, we need to be brought to God, and that Jesus is the only one that can do it? Trusting Jesus as Savior is how we acquire this great joy. Because Paul said in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. This joy is for you. I encourage you and urge you to trust in and believe in Jesus as Savior if you have not done that. There's no other way to access This joy, this living water, this spring that wells up to eternal life. What if you're already a believer in Jesus? Is there a word here for you about experiencing joy? And there is. Um, You and I know that it's not automatic for us either, is it? This joy that it waxes, waxes and wanes for us. Depending on the day, I don't wake up every day with a delight of mind that comes from receiving something really good. On any given day, any number of bad things can happen that steal my joy, or the anticipation of those bad things can steal the joy. So how do we keep joy, you and me, as believers? The simple answer is you keep it the same way you acquired it, which is by believing the good news which is by remembering, intending to remember, planning to remember, and actually remembering that Jesus is your Savior, that He came into the world for you, that all of His promises are yes in Christ. Your experience of joy is tied to your belief that something really good has happened to you. And if you're a believer, something really good has happened to you. Something that's called an inheritance, guaranteed, kept in heaven for you. Uh, The guarantee of being resurrected one day to eternal life in a world where there are no dark clouds, where nothing can ever ruin it, where there are no joy killers. They're all gone. Where every day, all day, there's nothing but reasons for joy. There's nothing but the actual experience of it, the, 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 the coming into its fullness. That's a promise to every believer in Jesus Christ, but we have to remember it because it's, it's the invisible things, but they're real, but our joy waxes and wanes whether or not are we calling it to mind. Has he come for me? Is my future good? Good. Whether No matter what happens in the next Christmas or ten Christmases from now, I have something that can't be taken away from me, something really good. As we think that through, delight of mind comes back. And this is where the Holy Spirit helps us. Because Paul said in Galatians 5 that it's when we walk by the Spirit that one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. One of the Spirit's main ministries is to reveal Christ to us again and again and again, to point us to Him, to the Savior who was born, died, and rose again for you. That's what the Spirit does. And as we experience this relationship through the Spirit, this relationship with God, joy results. Some days it's just going to be contentment because, you know, you don't have everything you want. Other days, it's going to be satisfaction, and on really good days, it's going to be exultation. (laughs) But there's joy as we walk by the Spirit and come to know our Savior more personally. So there's good news of great joy. May you experience it this week. I, I hope that when you get something, when you open some package this week, that you really enjoy that thing. <laughs> you ought to. The people who bought it want you to feel that way. <laughs> so I hope that you get that. But also, remember, that's, that's passing. The real thing is the gift that God gave you 2,000 years ago in Jesus and who you're going to experience forever in a new world. Let that give you the real joy this week and every week. We're going to close by singing what else but joy to the world. So if the worship team would come back up, let me just close with prayer. Uh, What we're going to sing, Lord, I, I ask you help us to sing it with belief and to be thinking of it as belonging to us. The Savior reigns. The Savior has come for us. Give us that sight again today. And Lord, let joy be the result. Give us a delight of mind this week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.